Hi, everyone. I am your host, Lee. And I'm Devin. And welcome to Ghastly, where it's always spooky season. What's new with you, Devin? I'm sick. And uh, that's about it. Are you sure? Because I'm pretty sure you have a bachelor party coming up this weekend. Yeah, I mean, it's a pretty chill night in, you know, um, just playing games with some friends and uh, drinking water. (laughs) (laughs) What's new with you? I know all the plans for his bachelor party, but he doesn't. It's a secret. Keeping it on the down low. Yeah, she got all the inside scoop on mine and I knew nothing about hers. Yeah, that's what's new with me is mine was like two weekends ago and it was really fun. Shout out to all of my friends who planned it because they catered it to exactly what I wanted, all my little nerdy interests, and it was so fun and I felt so loved. And we're really excited because by the time the next episode comes out, we will be married. That's right. Yay. I guess that's new. Yeah, that's new. So <laughs> A long time coming, but it is going to be fresh. Yeah. All our hard work will pay off on that day. It's going to be so fun. And then also, before I start this story, I wanted to give the update. <laughs> I don't know if anyone saw. Um, I shouldn't be laughing at this. This is really creepy. But um, true crime news. Yeah, so... We just came back from a Chattanooga trip where we stayed at an awesome hotel, right? But if you're not so lucky and you get to stay at a certain hotel in a city near ours, then you might find yourself waking up in the middle of the night to a friend. Yeah. So a man staying in a hotel woke up one night to the hotel manager sucking- Was it a man? Yeah, it was a man. A man woke up to- A man woke (laughs) up to a male hotel worker sucking on his toes at 5 a.m. Yeah. And freaked out. I think out. he was the owner. Yeah, he was either the owner or, or the like GM. a manager, yeah. like the night manager or something like that. So beware um, when you close your hotel door, use that extra lock. There's a lot of safety tips. I follow this guy on TikTok. I can't remember his name. Mm-hmm. He's got tons of security tips that I use whenever we travel because there's hidden cameras and every door lock can be easily thwarted on a hotel. So there's extra steps to keep yeah. you guys safe. Scary to think you don't about. want to wake up in the middle of the night to somebody in your room. That's Mm-mm. tough. Yeah, hide your toes. Get like a chastity belt for your toes <laughs> next time you go to a hotel. Anyways, let's let's get into the story for today. Let's do it. In the Pocono Mountains of Pennsylvania, it is 10.50 p.m. on the night of September 12, 2014, which is a Friday night. And several officers are leaving the Blooming Grove police station and some officers are arriving at the police station for shift change. Two of these officers are Corporal Brian Dixon and Trooper Alex Douglas. So walking in the dark parking lot out of seemingly nowhere, they hear gunshots fired from a nearby tree line. A 308 caliber rifle bullet hits Corporal Dixon who was heading home from his shift and he drops to the ground, like shocking his fellow officers. This is coming out of nowhere. Several seconds later, another bullet hits Corporal Dixon again, this time around his head, and he goes completely still. So Trooper Douglas, who just arrived for his night shift, kneels down to try to help his friend and try to drag him back to a safe place, but a bullet hits him, Trooper Douglas, as well in his back as he's trying to help his friend. 
So he drops to the ground by his friend and he lies still. After this, another bullet crashes through a window in the barracks, like in the actual building, although nobody additional is harmed from this. So over a period of about a minute and a half, four rifle bullets have been shot from the tree line about 80 yards away from the barracks. Of course, paramedics are called as their fellow police officers bravely stand guard, trying to both help their downed officers and also protect themselves from whoever is clearly intentionally ambushing them from a distance, hiding from them. Yeah, you gotta be really bold to go after police when you're murdering people. That is like the worst demographic <laughs> to go after. They're yeah. going to find you. Yeah, that's and they 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 fight back harder. So Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. Unless you just want to die by cop, which maybe he does, I don't know, but So both officers have been shot without warning. They really didn't even have a chance to defend themselves or to grab their weapons and Trooper Douglas has been shot trying to save his friend and fellow officer. It is pitch black outside and nobody sees the coward who shot at them from a distance. And after those four shots are fired and 90 seconds pass, there is silence from the tree line at this point. So they believe whoever did this has fled the area. Paramedics arrive to find a devastating scene. Corporal Brian Dixon, the first to be shot, is pronounced dead on the scene when they arrive. And Trooper Alex Douglas is the other officer who was shot and he is critically wounded, but not dead. So he is urgently driven to a hospital for emergency surgery, while the other officers who witness this tragedy are left just traumatized and deeply impacted by the loss of Corporal Dixon, who nobody was expecting this to happen tonight. This is just a random Friday night. Yeah. Corporal Dixon is a 38-year-old husband, father, brother, son, uncle, and friend. And as of 11 o'clock p.m. on Friday, September 12, 2014, Two of his sons, named Brian III and Adam, have lost their father. And his loving wife, Tiffany, has lost the love of her life and the man who was supposed to be her lifelong partner. He's gone. They had just celebrated their 10th wedding anniversary, too, just less than a month before his death. And they had been looking forward to many more. Their relationship was going super strong. So several days after his murder, masses of people attend his funeral in Scranton, Pennsylvania, where he lives with his family. This funeral takes place on September 18th, and tears are shed at the sight of his son wearing Corporal Dixon's hat and mourning the unexpected and heartbreaking loss of their dad, who is just a known family man who just loves his kids and his wife. Before his murder, Corporal Dixon had been serving with the Pennsylvania State Police for seven years, beginning in June of 2007. And then later, he was promoted to corporal in 2013. And then in 2014, he was transferred to the Blooming Grove Station in Pennsylvania and has been serving as patrol unit supervisor there. And that is the station where he was shot this night. So he was particularly passionate about stopping DUIs and had a drug recognition expert certification. He earns multiple awards from his police department and from the Pennsylvania DUI Association for just all of his diligent work in protecting the streets of Pennsylvania from drivers that are impaired by drugs and alcohol. He's described as a phenomenal person who anybody would love to have around. And then before his time in the police force, he served as a sergeant in the U.S. Marine Corps. Wow, so he went from military to police, huh? Yeah, like he served our country very well. And then before this, he graduated with his bachelor's degree from Pennsylvania State University's Administration of Justice program. 
And then before this, he was born in 1975 in North Dakota, and he grew up there and then later moved on to Pennsylvania. Corporal Dixon is just a super accomplished and a super brave man whose life has been taken away by a complete coward when really he spent his entire life just trying to serve the country and like save people's lives and keep people safe. So his friend and fellow officer, 31-year-old trooper Alex Douglas, at this point is in critical condition and he's receiving emergency surgery at a nearby hospital to treat his gunshot wound that absolutely obliterated his right hip pelvis, femur, and ruptured his intestines, all from one bullet. This is a rifle bullet. Trooper Douglas is placed in a medically induced coma at this point as well. So in the days following the fatal ambush, the investigators and the police are absolutely stumped. In the tree line and at the scene of the crime, they are unable to find any clues that may lead them to the identity of the murderer. All they know is that the bullet belongs to a 308 caliber rifle. And the search for this person isn't like a normal search. They're hunting for a person who, as far as they know, could be hunting them back. Yeah, definitely. They're dealing with a person or maybe a group of people who wants law enforcement officers dead and who they fear wouldn't hesitate to kill the next officer that they see. So the search is truly a life or death situation that has everybody terrified. The officers their families, and the community who is fully aware at this point that a killer or killers are just freely walking around. So news of this murder is huge in Pennsylvania, and the community is on the lookout for anything suspicious. So on September 15th, 2014, which is three days after Corporal Dixon has been murdered, a local man who's just walking his dog spots a car that is a bit out of place. And by out of place, I mean he spots a green 2001 Jeep Cherokee that is partially underwater <laughs> in the drainage basin of a swamp. Wow. Not a little only, bit out of place. Yeah, yeah. This is absolutely strange in itself, but this is also only two miles from the Pennsylvania State Police Barracks, which is the scene of the crime. So he calls authorities to come check the Jeep out. And when they venture inside the car, they find a few unsettling items. They find bullet casings that match the exact bullets that killed Corporal Dixon and critically injured Trooper Douglas. They find camouflage paint They discover some printed information regarding foreign embassies. They find a black hoodie, military gear, and then most importantly, they find someone's social security card. Uh Uh-oh. And this card belongs to a 31-year-old man named Eric Freen. That's a mistake. Yeah. So his parents are actually the owners of the abandoned Jeep. He had just borrowed the car from them. Police don't believe the Jeep has been intentionally left in the drainage basin. They are thinking at this point that the driver must have been driving in the pitch black night with his lights off just to evade authorities or keep anyone from noticing him when they didn't see the upcoming T-junction in the road. And then they just flew off the road and into the basin on accident. And then they knew there was no way out. They're like halfway in a swamp. So they flee the scene of the car wreck just like they fled the scene of the shooting. These discoveries kick the investigation into high gear as they begin a search for Eric Freen. This must be the guy. They have literally no other suspects, but this is a really strong one. So they visit his parents' house in Canadensis, Pennsylvania. 
I may or may not have mispronounced that. Sounds but good to me. he's been living there with his parents up until the night of the shooting. And this house is about 20 miles from the abandoned car. But Eric isn't at their house and he is officially missing and on the run at this point. We got to call in Dog the Bounty Hunter. Get this guy. Actually, knowing how huge this case got, I feel like he's the type of person that would have been part of the search party. Yeah. I don't know. Bounty hunters are awesome, man. They don't have to follow a lot of the laws that police officers do. They just hunt you down. They just get you. On September 17th, 2014, which is five days after the shootings, a warrant is issued by the U.S. District Court in Scranton, Pennsylvania to arrest Eric Freen. So a manhunt begins. Corporal Dixon's death has been immensely impactful to the community, especially fellow law enforcement officers. And now that a warrant is issued, the developing manhunt already contains 200 officers who are dedicated to finding the man who killed a member of their law enforcement family. So five days pass, including the funeral for Corporal Dixon, and they still have not located Eric Freen. By September 22nd, the number of officers searching for him has doubled to 400 people searching the Pocono Mountains surrounding these police barracks. And two days later, by September 24th, 1,000 officers are searching for this man. Wow, he's good at hiding. Yeah. So I'm talking FBI is hunting him down, U.S. Marshals, local police, and state police from other states. Like... They have Pennsylvania State Police, but then they also have New York, New Jersey, and Connecticut officers trying to find him. But it's in the middle of the wilderness. It's the Pocono Mountains. So there's a lot of places for him to hide. Mm -hmm. So with these officers, there are also experts from the Bureau of Alcohol, Tobacco, Firearms, and Explosives joining in on the manhunt because there's a serious risk that Eric intends to harm any of the officers tailing him via firearms or explosives. So Eric Freen himself, he has an extensive knowledge of the outdoors. Mm, so he's one of those. Yeah, he has studied up on survival techniques and he is able to methodically evade authorities by like crossing really difficult rivers and climbing rocks that like throw off the officers and he's able to reach places where nobody else can reach him. So he is a self-taught survivalist. And this is a massive manhunt. This is an expensive manhunt. And Eric Freen has now made it on the FBI's 10 most wanted fugitives list. Wow. And a total of $175,000 in rewards are posted for anybody who can help find the killer. He just activated all five stars in GTA. I was just thinking the same (laughs) thing. It was so scary to activate all the stars in that game. Have The tanks and helicopters. Yeah, 20 (laughs) helicopters looking for you. So this is his life now, but it's in the middle of the woods. So they're posting pictures of Eric's face with the police hotline number on hundreds of billboards across numerous states surrounding Pennsylvania, just begging for the public to call police if they spot this man or know any information about where he may be. Authorities are using all sorts of different strategies to locate him. They use tracking dogs. They use numerous helicopters, thermal imaging equipment, and super expensive police vehicles such as Bearcats and siege vehicles. And then keep in mind, this is so dangerous for them because of his clear hatred toward law enforcement and the many places that he has to hide in the woods. All of these officers truly never know when they could be ambushed again. 
There are several occasions where officers in the search team actually spot Eric in the distance. They see him, Uh but he uses really tricky, like mountainous terrain and rushing rivers to escape from them before they're able to actually catch up with him. But then now they know where he's at. They got his area. Yeah, they know where he's at, but he's able to get away from them somehow. Those who saw him say that he was acting like amused by the situation. Like they could see the look on his face and he's enjoying playing this game of hide and seek with the police. Oh yeah, this is mentally ill 101. Absolutely. Like he's, like, he's like the main character right now in his anime of escaping the police. Yeah, he's the main character in GTA. So they try to hunt him down in the rain, in the sunshine, just regardless of outdoor conditions, because a monster is out here who needs to be held accountable for his deplorable crime, and a mourning family is out there who deserves to watch justice unfold. And also, the police force is just not going to let someone do that to one of their members and then get away with it. So they are going to hunt him until they get him. Yeah. But Eric is unrelenting, and after the September 12th murder... Weeks pass by and September turns into October where there is finally a significant discovery during the search. So Eric himself is not found, but some of his possessions are. Mm. Two pipe bombs are found at an old campsite of his, in addition to food, clothes, rifle ammunition, dirty adult diapers, Serbian cigarettes, And importantly, a diary that he had been writing in during the entire chase. Some entries discovered in this diary read, quote, got a shot around 11 p.m. and took it. He dropped. I was surprised at how quick. I took a follow-up shot on his head, neck area. He was still and quiet after that. Another cop approached the one I just shot. As he went to kneel, I took a shot at him and jumped in the door. His legs were visible and still, end quote which is chilling because he's writing this the same way that a normal person would journal about like going to the grocery store. Very matter of fact. And also, let's talk about how freaking planned this attack was. He had stockpiled materials to last weeks and months out there in the wilderness, even down to the diapers so he didn't leave like urine or feces in the woods, (laughs) like for people to track him. Like Wow. And then... From the soiled diaper that they found, they test the DNA of the fecal matter, and it's a match to Eric Freen that they got from his parents' house. Like, they got DNA from um, his stuff at his parents' house. So it's 100% guaranteed he's the person that they're chasing at this point. Because of the pipe bombs that they discover at the old campsite, police shut down the surrounding areas and forbid anybody from hunting or trapping anywhere in the area in the mountains, regardless of whether the land is private or public. These bombs also tack on two new criminal charges for Eric, which is two counts of manufacturing weapons of mass destruction. So these bombs are seriously dangerous and they're booby-trapped with trip wires, so authorities are really thankful that the explosives team is there to safely remove the bombs from the campsite before potentially more lives were lost. So at this point, I do want to note... That trooper Alex Douglas, who had been shot on September 12th, but was rushed in critical condition to the hospital. Mm -hmm. So he safely awakens from his week-long medically induced coma and is slowly healing more and more from the tremendous damage inflicted to his body from just one bullet. So he thankfully does live and is alive to this day. So I just wanted to throw this in for some mid-manhunt encouragement. If I lived through some stuff like that, I'd feel pretty invincible unstoppable at that point 
So back to the manhunt, as police continue to search for Eric, it is a grueling process because they're constantly on edge pursuing someone who wants to kill them. And the search has progressed into late October by now over a month and a half after Corporal Dixon's murder. They keep discovering his campsites, trash, and weapons, but it seems they're always like one step behind Eric, and they believe he's still armed despite finding several of his weapons abandoned in the woods. They have hunted Eric through 300 square miles of wilderness in the Pocono Mountains, <laughs> but they're confident that they'll find him. He's going to run out eventually. Exactly. <laughs> so research is being done in the background on Eric, of course, and police realize this man is a loner who isn't likely to have a network of people to support him through a manhunt and that he is likely having to be 100% self-sufficient in the woods. So at some point, he has to run out of resources and energy eventually, and he could never show his face at a store in any town to replenish supplies since he'd immediately be recognized and reported. This story has made national news. So the search ensues while it seems like time stands still for the surrounding communities. Outdoor events are canceled, certain schools in the area are canceled, and everybody is on edge. So on October 30th, some federal marshals are searching a nearby area called Tannersville, Pennsylvania, when they see a man walking through a field that they feel resembles Eric. They sneak closer and they command the man to put his hands up and surrender. And so this man complies and they get closer and confirm this man is Eric Freen. After a 48-day-long manhunt involving over 1,000 officers, they have found him just casually walking through a field near an abandoned air park in the Poconos. What a weirdo. So he hasn't officially been arrested or handcuffed yet in this moment, but they do have him under control. And while marshals wait for state police to arrive, they inquire about whether he has any weapons on him, and he does not but he lets them know that he does have a pistol and two rifles hidden in the abandoned hangar where he's been staying. And he says that he let them know this because he doesn't want some random kid to find a loaded gun in there. Yeah, that's good. That's because good he's so ethical. Yeah. So they take him to the hangar while they wait for police and they confiscate their remaining weapons. And finally, officers arrive and they arrest and handcuff him using Corporal Dixon's handcuffs, which is the man who he murdered. And that is an incredibly satisfying detail in the midst of a horrible story. And then after this, Corporal Dixon's patrol car is used to transport Eric after the arrest to be jailed at the barracks where the attack took place. So they finally caught the guy after 48 long days on the run. Wow. This was by far the longest manhunt in the history of Pennsylvania. And all evidence points to the fact that Eric worked alone. But who is Eric Freen? Why did he put so much intention and planning into killing and wounding these officers? The 31-year-old man is pretty nondescript and unnoticeable. He's a pretty clean-cut looking white dude. The people who went to high school with him didn't have much to say. He's just a normal, quiet kind of guy. He was on the rifle team at Pocono mm. Mountain High School. There it is. Yeah, and there are pictures in the yearbook of him showing how to shoot a rifle. And his father explains that he is a sharpshooter and he never misses his target. He intermittently attended college at East Stroudsburg University for a few semesters, starting with a history major and then swapping to chemistry years later. 
And then he also took some classes at another nearby community college, but he never ended up graduating. He worked stocking shelves at a local grocery store for a while and was just described as a quiet guy who just did his job. Nothing out of the ordinary, but as we know by now, quiet people usually have a really loud inner monologue. They have thoughts going on in their head, we just don't know what they are. And his internet searches indicate that he had been dreaming of attacking police for years. He had been planning this for a really long time. He also had some interesting side hobbies. He was an Eagle Scout, which is the highest rank that you can achieve as a Boy Scout and laid a really solid foundation for his survival skills. Why is it an Eagle Scout? That's the top rank. Why not like a Grizzly Scout? That's pretty hard. Bald Eagle is like America. It's the most patriotic animal that you can choose. Grizzlies are like the strongest. (laughs) Great argument. You should write in to have them change it. That's a great point. (laughs) Would you rather be a Grizzly Scout or a freaking Eagle Scout? Come on. Eagles are endangered. (laughs) (laughs) Eric was also super into the military and liked to reenact military simulations in various roles. So like his favorite soldiers to dress as and reenact were Bosnian Serb soldiers. And he actually took this hobby really seriously. So he had extensive knowledge of historical events especially war history, and knew all of those nitty-gritty details of different uniforms and weaponry across wars, countries, and all the different eras. And he even acted in several war films, including playing a Nazi German soldier in Auschwitz and helping direct a World War I documentary. That's really interesting. But enough about his hobbies and background. Why did he despise police and murder Corporal Dixon? So the only thing that can even partially explain his motives is a letter that police find, which he had written for his parents and had on him when he was caught, but never sent it to his parents. So it said, quote, Dear mom and dad, our nation is far from what it was and what it should be. The time seems right for a spark to ignite a fire in the hearts of men. You guys are great parents. I'm just not a good son. End quote. So basically the rest of the letter is explaining how a revolution is needed in the U.S. And it seems that Eric truly believed that murdering a law enforcement officer and attempting to murder another would spark some huge revolution and change the country, I guess, back to how it was. But no, all that happened was a senseless murder of a loved husband and father and crippling of another man who woke up every day and chose to serve people. So... No revolution was sparked, and this was just a really evil act. So with that, let's go to the sentencing. We need some justice. One day after his arrest, he is officially charged with 12 charges. First-degree murder, attempted murder, murder of a law enforcement officer of the first degree, criminal attempt to commit murder of a law enforcement officer of the first degree, assault of a law enforcement officer, two counts of terrorism, two counts of weapons of mass destruction, discharging a firearm into an occupied structure, possessing instruments of crime, and lastly, reckless endangerment of another person. Yep, you went for a cop, they're gonna throw the book at you. And on January 29th of 2015, he pleads not guilty to all 12 of these charges. (laughs) Okay. Then his trial takes place in June of 2016, and they actually import the jury from another county to prevent bias since this case had been so heavily covered in the area. 
The prosecutors make it clear that they are seeking the death penalty in this case. And although Eric files a motion that it's unconstitutional, this motion is rejected. And after a grueling trial, on April 19th of 2017, Eric Freen is found guilty on all 12 charges and is sentenced to death by lethal injection. A few months later, Corporal Dixon's wife, Tiffany, also actually files a lawsuit against Eric's parents, saying that basically his father brainwashed him into having anti-police beliefs and teaching him how to shoot a gun, and that his parents ignored really clear warning signs in Eric's behavior that led to the murder of her husband. That is really strange to sue a killer's parents. I've never heard of that before. Yeah, and I'm actually not sure what happened with that. I'm not sure if she was successful or got any money or anything, but I mean, that's a tough one. There's a lot of people out there in the country that teach their kids how to shoot guns. My dad taught me how to shoot guns when I was younger, and I'm definitely well, not out not here shooting anybody. cops. Yeah, so. <laughs> or they're um, going to sue your family. Yeah. That's yeah. crazy. Yeah, I've never heard of that before. So as of today, Eric Freen still sits on death row in a Pennsylvania maximum security prison called Phoenix State Correctional Institution. And the governor of Pennsylvania has a moratorium on the death penalty right now, meaning that the death penalty is temporarily suspended. So it's unknown if or when Eric will be put to death by lethal injection, but at least he's locked up for now and unable to harm anybody else. And that is the end of the story. So Corporal Brian Dixon was a role model to those around him and to his two sons. His loved ones recall and miss his huge contagious smile. And when a law enforcement officer's life is taken, that pain is felt in the heart of every law enforcement officer in the country. And the outpour of support from the law enforcement community was tremendous in this case. Corporal Dixon put himself in harm's way to protect the lives of others, and people loved him deeply. So he'll eternally be a hero, and I just don't want his story to be forgotten. And then Trooper Alex Douglas slowly recovered from his gunshot-inflicted wounds over the years. Um, Before this attack, he had been extremely active and athletic, where he stayed diligent with exercise by frequently running, working out at CrossFit, and running ultra-marathons. After spending over a month in the hospital and a week in a coma, he lost a whopping 45 pounds. But thankfully, the medical professionals were able to save his life after being sniped by an AK-47. And his will to live drove him through recovery, and he is alive and well today. Thank you all for sticking with us through that story, and rest in peace to Corporal Dixon. Our next Ghastly episode will release on Thursday, May 24th, and we will be married by then. Oh, yeah. Whoop. <laughs> Bye, guys. See ya.